Welcome to the Birmingham Vineyard Podcast. We hope you find it insightful and encouraging. If you want to find out more about us, head to our website, birminghamvineyard.com. Anybody who's under the age of 18, here's the conditions, the ground rules we've got. If I'm not making sense or if I'm not clear, you heckle and say, I don't know what you're talking about. And then I have to stop and make it clear. Is that okay? Is that the deal we're working with? Yeah, you are not he said under, under 18, 18, so you be quiet, Becky Stamps. Uh, but that's the deal, because we're looking at something that Jesus said this afternoon. So we're going to get our Bibles. Our series is all about what Jesus has said. And we'd love to hear what Jesus... Well, in fact, let me just see if there's anybody who can guess. Here's my little visual aid for the day. What are we going to think about, do you reckon? What is Jesus... Money. Well, if you listen in, you might even get some of this stuff. So we're going to hear about what Jesus said about money and all sorts of stuff like it. So Rosie, start us off. We're going to get in our Bibles to Luke chapter 12, verses 22 to 34. They'll be on the screen, but you can follow it in your Bibles if you've actually got it. Luke chapter 12. Rosie, take it away. Okay. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They don't sow or reap, they have no store or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than birds. Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Consider how the wild flowers grow. They don't labour or spin, yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendour was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? And do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Don't worry about it, for the pagan world runs after all such things and your father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom and these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out. A treasure in heaven that will never fail, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Wonderful. We're going to do three things this afternoon. We're going to have the chance to think about what does Jesus say about money and possessions and how we relate to them and how we handle them. Then we're going to have a little video halfway through just to summarise that. And then we're going to think about what does it mean for us to seek first the kingdom of God. But before we do that, I'd love to get us thinking about something on our tables. Just a couple of things to glance on the slide here. You know, Jesus, when he talks about money and possessions, he's focusing in on three different areas. One is the area of spiritual formation, how we grow and change as people. One is the area of stewardship, different phrase, but it's how we handle everything. And then the other is generosity. But just to get us started, I'm going to ask us a question. We all have, when we talk about money, we all have thoughts in our minds. Maybe something that you've watched on telly or some some little phrases that were there in your family. Or maybe phrases that you've seen on some adverts or that um, you've chatted about with your friends. Rosie, tell us some of yours growing up. What were some of the phrases in your family? Okay, so in my family, we had uh, several little phrases. One was, well, not phrases so much as understandings amongst ourselves as family. Get my sheet. One of them was... You do not ever talk about sex, money, or politics. They are not subjects that you can have at the dinner table. Secondly, never spend money on yourself. Thirdly, save as much as you can. And fourthly, because you're going to need it because something bad's going to happen. 
So I grew up with this massive feeling that something bad was going to happen all the time. So I needed to save all my money so that I had resources to deal with the bad thing when it happened. There you go. So you've got a chance for on your tables to think, what is there a phrase? Maybe here's a phrase I come across, buy now, pay later. Anybody come across that one? Seen it in advertising. And think about a phrase you might have come across either in your family, on telly, on social media. Just a phrase about money or stuff. And then you can just, just for a minute or two, just think about that. Is there a, is there a money phrase that you've grown up with? Okay, we're going to draw it to a close. I want one table with a younger, maybe a younger voice, and then I want one table with an older voice, an over 18. So just let's start with an older folks. So somebody who's maybe over 20, tell us a little phrase you grew up with. Shout them out. Come on. Say again, buy now, pay later. Okay. Anything, one more. A penny saved is a penny earned. Oh, there we go. How about the young people? Any of the young people? Go for it. Buy one, get one free. <laughs> When it's gone, it's gone. There's some interesting phrases. Well, I'm sure you've been swapping these little phrases around your table. Do you know, Jesus wants us to know that if we get our attitude to money right, it can lead us to true riches of a deeper relationship with Jesus. But if we pursue money for its own sake, or we look to money for security, like Rosie did in her family, if you think that's where your security is, then we can kind of end up in a bit of a pickle. It becomes a false or a counterfeit God. Now, Jesus, when he talked about money, was not alone in that. In the Bible, if you were to go through every bit in the Bible and get your highlighter and highlight every time it talks about money or possessions or wealth or how we handle them or how we do with debt, there'd be over 2,300 verses. That's a lot of verses. That's nearly a few on every page in your Bible. So I think Jesus' teaching can fit into these three headlines. First one, formation. Say it after me, formation. Stewardship, generosity. Now those three things linked to formation is what God wants for you as his friend and follower. Stewardship is what God asks of you. You're a steward. And generosity is what God does through you. And actually, these three things, they link together. So you might feel stirred in your heart to give to somebody. But if you haven't got a plan in terms of how you manage your money and you're not a good steward, it might be hard to do that. Or you might feel like you've got some resources, but the thing that God's trying to teach you is actually to, to not just rely on your resources, but to rely on him as the source. So they're all linked together. First one, and then we're going to come to our video in about five or six minutes. Formation, this is what God wants for you. It's a journey of discipleship, and it changes our hearts and actions. When we get to understand that our Father in heaven is good, he loves us, then we don't have to be quite so anxious about some of the stuff we face in life. In this passage we've just read, that Rosie read for us, four times in 12 verses, what does Jesus say? Anybody spot it in there? Do not worry. Do not worry. Again and again he says, do not worry. Because he wants to settle something in people's hearts that were actually loved sons and daughters in his family. So he wants to do something that we're not gripped with anxiety. Do you know, you could be winning financially but losing out spiritually. You could have lots of resources, but still be racked with anxiety. You could be blessed, but coveting what somebody else has got and not living content. I think Jesus talks about four ways that his relationship with his father changed how he lived and how our relationship with our father can change how we live. Let's look at the four things on the screen. Our pride 
becomes gratitude when we acknowledge that everything we have is a gift from God. You're not self-made. If you've got a job or you're blessed with some resources, it's not just because you're smart. God made you smart. Yeah, that's a gift from him. So our backgrounds, our education, our opportunities, our intellect, our talent all come from him. If you live in a house that's got a roof and the possibility of putting some heating on for some time in the day and some food in the cupboard, you're already blessed. More than most of the people who live on this planet. And that resource has come our way from God's kindness. So never say to yourself, hey, I'm smart. I've achieved all this wealth by my own strength and energy. Remember the Lord your God. He's the one who gives you the power to be successful. That's what it says in Deuteronomy. Okay, next one we see there, coveting to contentments. It's very easy to have stuff, but just have a heart that wants more stuff. Maybe you see a friend at school, they've got a nicer phone than you. Or there's someone else who's got a nicer car than you. And you think, oh, I quite fancy that. And the very thing you've got, you're not happy with anymore because you're wanting their stuff or more stuff. And Jesus says, don't set your heart on food or on clothes or on status or stuff. That's what he says in this passage. Don't set set your heart on that stuff. Coveting is this idea that if I just have a bit more stuff, I'll be a, bit more, be a bit more happy. And Jesus is saying, it doesn't work that way. One of the guys in the Bible, a chap called Paul, says, I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. I can do all of this through Christ who gives me strength. I've learned the secret of being content. Next one we see there is our anxiety becomes stress. Anybody get anxious from time to time? We all do, don't we? And we can get anxious about money stuff. But Jesus doesn't want that for us. He wants us to function from a place of peace. Now, we've got to do something about life. He's our provider. But even then, we have to realize that we've got to take responsibility. We've got to make a plan. We've got to have a budget. We've got to save and work for our own future. But Jesus wants our hearts to be at peace. He says this. Consider the ravens. They don't sow or reap, yet they have no storerooms or barn. Yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than birds. We've got to settle something in our hearts that God loves us as his kids and we're more valuable to him. Rosie, just want to join me a second. Just got a little story from Rosie before we launch on. Sometimes we have to um, experience things in our lives that help us move to a place of trusting Jesus. And a couple of times in our married life, we have been in a place where we have monumental financial uncertainty. One of the ones which I fully own because it was completely my fault was that I managed to have a car accident about 15 years ago or something. It was a very slow car accident. I was not driving fast. I was going about five miles an hour. And I managed to knock over a lady. Sorry. Um, And then it transpired to make it worse that the car that I was driving was not actually insured because the person who owned it had forgotten to insure it. Oops, for us. Um, So we were in this situation where this lady uh, thought that she was very badly injured, of course, and mm? she had a pre-existing condition, and she said she would never be able to work again, and it was all my fault. So she sued me for personal injuries, and uh, I wasn't insured. So we didn't know if we were going to have to pay her £5,000 or £50,000 or £500,000, and it was, I mean, gosh, if there was anything that was going to make you anxious, it was that. We thought we might have to sell our house, move in with Andrew's parents. Um, We had two small children. It was a worrying time. And we had to come to a place where, in the end, we went, God, it's not our stuff. 
we trust you that you'll you'll look after us because we're your kids and we know that you do that but it wasn't an easy place to come to and it took quite a long time for us to journey that particularly for me because I was beating myself up for what I'd done of course it was okay in the end we saved up some money and God intervened and turned out the lady wasn't as badly injured as she thought she was and so it wasn't as expensive as we thought it was going to be and it all worked out fine but it took from, for us, or for me particularly, to go through that journey of anxiety to trust, to, hit, to find out who God really was, to find out that he was my father, to find out that he cared, to find out that he loved me and that he was going to carry, carry me through what was a really difficult situation. So yeah, that was how I moved from well, one, of the thing, one of the stories that moved me from a place of anxiety to trust. And the last thing on the screen there, the four things, is our indifference, the fact that we don't really think and care about other people, can become love in action as Jesus gets hold of our hearts. Jesus says this, hey, listen, in verse 33, I want you to sell what you have, sell the stuff you've got, and look around. See who's got less than you and actually be open-handed, share it with them, give it to them. So that's spiritual formation. It's these four journeys that happen in our heart. Stewardship, really briefly, this is what God asks of you. Not a phrase we use very much, a steward is somebody who's actually looking after stuff for somebody else. It's what we do with the stuff we've got. It's as if you're the manager, but God's the owner. And he asks us to actually use the stuff that he's given us for his purposes, to use it well and use it wisely. This is what it says in verse 31. Seek first his kingdom and these things will be given to you as well. God first. That's what discipleship is all about. God first in everything. Maybe you think, oh, the area is stewardship. I just need to get a bit of help there because I'm not very good at managing my money and I've got some challenges there. Hey, listen, if that's your story, there's never any shame. We're the kind of place where we can be honest and get some help because there are some people that are good at being stewards and can help you with maybe getting a plan and getting out of debt or just getting some support. So if that's you, you can chat to one of us on the team and we'll be glad to help. And the last thing in these three things Jesus spoke about is generosity. That's what God does through you. God doesn't need our money. He's actually got plenty of it. But a journey of generosity is an invitation to an adventure with God. Jesus says, where your treasure is, your heart will be also. Now here's what I think. This is time for chocolate money to bring you back in case you drifted off for a minute. Do you know, I think this is what it's a bit like. I think God provides for us. It's like he pays us. And it's like this chocolate money. Does anybody fancy chocolate money? Oh, a few people did. I thought there might be a few takers. Here we go. Let's dish it out a little bit. Oh, isn't that kind? Let you, I don't leave you short change there. I'm glad that you had the uh, audacity to ask. Nobody else there wants anything. <laughs> you guys have... Anybody else want any chocolate money? No, nobody does. <laughs> um, do you know, I think it's a bit like this. I think when God provides for us, he pays us. It's like this chocolate money. Now, all the stuff we have this side of heaven is a bit like chocolate money. We've got some options. We can consume the whole lot or we can invest a bit of it not just consume the whole lot but invest a bit of it in what he's doing locally and nationally and globally and then it's giving into the things that God wants to see supported and that becomes eternal treasure that's what Jesus is saying you can consume the lot which is greed or you can say I'm going to recognize this whole stuff all that I've got is a gift from God and I'm going to with this, be a good steward, manage the whole lot well, and invest some of it in the things that he values, that he wants to see supported and resourced. I came to faith in my teens. Anybody else come to faith in their teens? 
Yeah, most people do. Most, about two-thirds of people come to faith before the age of 18. Last year, about 30 people in our church gave £25,000 on top of their normal giving to support something called Dreaming the Impossible. Remember Dreaming the Impossible? Woo! <laughs> Great time. Hey, you were there. I was there. It was loads of fun. And over a four-day period, we got to witness hundreds of people, hundreds of maybe young people for the first time who actually said yes to following Jesus. That's turning... Chocolate coins into kingdom treasure. <laughs> and it's great fun. That's what Jesus says he wants us to do. Just for a minute, imagine a little moment. Anybody got an iPhone? Anybody in Apple products? Anybody got an iPhone? A few iPhones in the room. Just imagine you could turn the clock back to the late 1970s. And you bump into a guy called Steve Jobs and his business partner. He's just getting started in this little space of technology with a little company called Apple. You think, strange name for a company. He says, oh, uh, I'm glad we're chatting. Um, the challenge is I just need some cash. I wonder I can make a deal with you. If you invest now, I'll make you a deal. You get shares in the business. If you, exactly. If you knew then what we all know now, what would you do? Invest. invest. You'd, you'd sell what you've got. You'd think, I'm going to sell the car or I'm going to borrow some money from people. You would invest because you know what was coming. I think that's what Jesus is saying. He knows what's coming. He knows what heaven's like. So with investing in God's kingdom, it's not a case of, well, what's the minimum I can get away with because I want to just hoard this stuff for myself. It's what's the most I can get for eternal treasure as I invest in God's kingdom. So formation, stewardship, generosity. We're going to look at a video in a moment, and so we're going to watch the screens. You know, the stuff that Jesus said is honestly, friends, it's in sharp contrast to much of what our culture says. And at this point, I want to just play a video that highlights how big that contrast is. So turn your eyes to the screen, watch the video, and we'll be back in a moment. Life. Life is the free and joyful pursuit of self-interest. The generous may doubt this, but we know life offers more than a dedication to serving others. A spirit of love in the heart of God, we've moved on to something better. Money is what really matters. We don't believe all the hype about transforming our world. No, we want to live an extraordinary life of convenience and luxury the sense of status and wealth, the power of instant gratification. We are uninterested in conforming ourselves to living with open hands, setting our eyes on the everlasting. The better way forward? To build a world around ourselves. This is the mindset of our day. We would be foolish to live the generous life. We don't believe it is worth our time. But when we encounter Jesus, he reorders the priorities of our heart. It is worth our time to live the generous life. We don't believe the mindset of our day. We would be foolish to build a world around ourselves. This is the better way forward. Setting our eyes on the everlasting, living with open hands, we are uninterested in conforming ourselves to the power of instant gratification, the sense of status and wealth, convenience and luxury. No, we want to live an extraordinary life of transforming our world. 
We don't believe all the hype about money is what really matters. We've moved on to something better, the heart of God, a spirit of love and dedication to serving. Others may doubt this, but we know life offers more than a pursuit of self-interest. The generous life is the free and joyful life. Isn't that great? <laughs> hey, just Jesus put it this way. I want you to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be given yours as well. Just in the last few minutes, I want to think about living that generous life, living that life that God is first in everything. That's what Jesus wants for us. I want to take a moment just as we start our year to thank God for his goodness and to look forward with hope. Do you know, we're a, we're a blessed to be part of a wonderful church community here in Eastside, but part of a whole multi-site church. In the last two years, since January 22, our church has grown by 30% in all its different spaces. On average, what you see in any particular space like here is about maybe 10 or 20% of the church. In November of last year, we announced that we wanted to set a goal of planting a new group every month and a site a year. We, we did that because we wanted to set a goal of saying, God's mission is our mission. We're not here for ourselves. God sent Jesus and Jesus sends us. That's why Esai is here, to be a light in this community. Since then, we started a new group every month, which is wonderful. And in March last year, you guys started and launched weekly Sunday services. You're getting close to your anniversary, which is really exciting. Uh, we've seen growth in every space, in Eastside, in Southside, City Centre, morning and evening. People finding a spiritual home and coming alive in faith. Kids and youth has grown. We've seen compassion ministry expand. All sorts of stuff happening. And every week we get to work out what it is to do life together, do faith together, as we cry together and we laugh together, often in our small groups. Through generosity of folks like you, we've been able to give tens of thousands of pounds away to other charities and other organisations in our city, in the UK and abroad. Now, rather than cramming shed loads of stories into a long afternoon, you're going to be hearing something called Impact Reports every month that gives you a flavour of how your giving is making a difference in our city and around the world. But we want to look ahead. At the start of this year, we want to be saying, God, we want to be people that do what you say. We want to seek first the kingdom. We want to help many more people follow Jesus. We want to plant a new group every month. That's our commitment as a whole church family to do that. Because small groups are places where we make friends and we learn to follow Jesus. We journey together and support each other through the ups and downs of life. Because we all have ups and we all have downs. We also need to do what you guys have done bravely in the last year and plant new sites in other communities in our city. And for that we need new site pastors. So we're making the training of teams and service leaders and preachers and pastors a top priority. This afternoon being a great example. <laughs> Wonderful stuff. And we want to invite more people to Vineyard Leadership College and the Leaders Conference. This year, we want to pray and discern where God is leading us to launch the next site or two. We've got a number of options, but we're not making assumptions. So I can't announce a specific location, but we are confident that multiplication is God's idea and he's going to guide us as we seek him this year. So watch out for that and keep praying for us. 
I just want to flag up as well what was mentioned the big weekend. Do you know, I would just encourage you to do everything possible to make that a priority. I think it's a moment for us to gather as a whole church family to celebrate what God is doing and to launch into what God has for us in the future. And I just want to say this as I finish. Rosie and I just feel immensely privileged to lead such a wonderful, wonderful church community served by incredible colleagues and staff and wider team. And we're all hugely blessed with capable, godly, visionary leaders in every single site. And I particularly want to just thank God for Chris and Rachel. You guys are wonderful. You're held in high esteem by us all. Yeah, let's do that. You're held in high esteem by us all, and this community is blessed to have you leading and serving them. So we just want to say that. But also, we're blessed with capable, visionary, godly leaders in every ministry, leading kids and youth and worship and, and Alpha and all sorts of stuff going on. Real joy. One of the developments to let you know is that we're going to be taking opportunities as we gather as churches in all our different spaces to actually have a moment of worship, a worship that involves giving. Starting from next week, we want to put the spotlight on things like spiritual formation, stewardship and generosity. So we're going to take a moment to pause in our services once a month to thank God for his goodness so we can bring our financial needs to him in prayer, but also bring our offerings as part of worship. For most people, uh, giving happens through planned giving in um, direct debits. But then sometimes because we do that, we don't often include it in a moment of worship to recognise I'm giving, Lord, but this is an act of worship because you've been so good to me. And so we want to just do that once a month. That's going to be happening. Just to re- as we finish, just a final little thing there. We talked about a bunch of stuff. We talked about using our resources well for God's kingdom. It might be new to you. Maybe just the first thing is to think, oh, do you know what? I've never thought about that. I could take a first step to start giving. Maybe you're doing that a little bit and the option is to be planned rather than just spontaneous when the mood takes you, but just to plan it into your budget. Maybe you've done that and the invitation is to think about being faithful and more consistent or maybe a percentage of what you earn. Or maybe you're feeling invited to a radical life of planned, radical generosity. Just as we finish, a couple of questions and then we're going to have a chance to respond. I wonder what God might want to do with us. Is it in the area of spiritual formation, something God wants for you? Maybe more peace in your heart. As your heart is full of gratitude, contentment, trust and love. Maybe it's about sharpening your stewardship skills and saying, I want a God first perspective on my money, but also my time and everything that I've got. Or maybe it's the invitation to generosity. Or the final question is, what would it look like to seek first the kingdom, to put God first in 2024? Why don't we take a moment to... Stand together, we're going to pray, and then we can just have a chance to reflect on the things that we've heard as Jesus has spoken to us this afternoon. Let's do that, shall we? Should we stand to our feet? We hope you enjoyed the talk and found it helpful. We'd love to welcome you to one of our gatherings. We meet in multiple locations at multiple times on Sundays, as well as in midweek small groups across the city. More information on all of these can be found at our website, birminghamvineyard.com. Thanks for listening. Have a great day and God bless.